Welcome to the Startup Sack Sacramento Startups Podcast. Today we're welcoming back Dante Morris, co-founder of Hootmaps, who we first interviewed a couple of years ago back in March of 2017. Uh, we recently at Startup Sack held a pitch competition and Dante won second prize uh, for Hootmaps. And uh, so we've asked Dante back on the show. Um, Dante, can you start out by kind of explaining your background with Hootmaps and, and how that all started for those who aren't familiar with it? Yeah, definitely, and I appreciate you having me on your show. Uh, Hoop Maps was founded, you know, early 2016, and the idea was it for us to find pickup basketball games. Me and my brother Dominic, you know, we played baseball, and after a baseball game, we uh, wanted to play basketball, but we wanted to play with our friends. And at that time, it wasn't available; they wouldn't hit us back on the phone. So it was like it had to be an app out there where we could just look on the phone, see where people are playing basketball, and just go to the games. And that's kind of where the idea came from. So now it's 2016, and then in 2017, that's when we actually got the prototype out and got it on the iOS market. So how long did that take from the time you had the idea, what you're, you're driving the car, looking for a game, you just, bam, idea, and you start talking about it. How long did it take from when you started, from that concept of the idea to when you said, okay, let's start building this thing? It's about six months, uh -huh. and that was a real learning curve because just like anybody, I wanted to build an app. I know I wanted it in an app format, not a website mm -hmm. format. And I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to go about it. Uh, should I hire somebody? Uh, should I try to find a co-founder that's a developer? Uh, so at that point, I was just doing all my research on figuring out how can we get this product from our idea to the marketplace. And then that's where I took a course at Hackers Lab. It was a six-week course that taught me the intro of how to build an app in Swift language, which is in iOS. So, so shout out to Hacker Lab, local yeah. resource here for, for entrepreneurs. Yeah, so I took that course, and then shortly after that, uh, that's when we actually got the app out there, start building the initial part, and then we found a guy in Los Angeles to finish it. So how tough was that? You'd never had any experience coding before. Um, taking a course and, and building an app for the first time, how hard was that? It was a different language. It was mm -hmm. literally a different language. So just having the concept of you know how to build apps, how to read a language, how to make things functions that are different, uh, was like just a whole new course, but it really opened up my eyes of what developers go through, mm -hmm. what the whole software development you know ecosystem is, and how people really get things to market. So it was, it was I was taken back about it because it was overwhelming at first, and I was like, I'm really a business guy. I'm not really I'm an idea guy mostly, but I'm not really you know a coder. I didn't go you to didn't school for this. Consider yourself a tech guy? Yeah, not really, because I just said I know I want this end product, but. You know, nobody, and the misconception is like, you'll find somebody at this at a meetup. It was like, you know, I got the idea, you got the skills, let's come together 50 50, let's build a product. But I actually did that for a couple months, and I realized everybody that know how to build something also have their own ideas mm -hmm. as well. So it kind of don't work that way. You kind of got to put some skin in the game, you got to learn how to do it yourself, you got to put something out to the market, and then other people will attach it at Afterwards. Yeah, and so you probably learned a lot, not just about coding, but about how the user, how the users would interact with it, what they would have to do, what you would have to do to accommodate them, just by learning how to code an app, right? Definitely, and I've, that's when I first learned about MVP, like what the MVP was, mm -hmm. and how that was important to really just get that initial product out. Because me and my brother, we had you know grand ideas of what the app should be. It was like we'll be able to message people, have video calls, and all these bells and whistles. <laughs> It was like people got to use it first yeah. and people got to like it and they got to just solve one problem. So we focused on one problem. So we took a survey of a lot of basketball players around Sacramento before we even you know, started on the product. 
And that really gave us a good perspective of what they need and what they're looking for. Let's talk about that. How did you do that? Did you, you know, have a, a paper form? You went to the basketball courts and just started asking people questions. Did you send them like to a Google form online to fill stuff out? How did, you know, a lot of other people will be able to learn from what you did. How did you do that? Initially, we had a Google form. We sent a text list out to all our friends and Dominic to all of his friends. But we realized people, even if it takes five minutes, they're not going to do mm -hmm. it. So we actually went to the courts and that's where... You know, we played basketball for an hour, and then as we sat down for the next game, passed them the phone, talked about the idea first, and then passed them the phone for the survey. Okay, so they just did it on the phone. Yeah, okay. and it was right there, and then they kind of can't say no from there because they like right in front of mm -hmm. them. So I was just getting some real-life knowledge of what people going through, what they're looking for, how it's a good idea, what's not a good idea, and, you know, what they'll actually use. So going out to the courts is actually what got us. How, how did those surveys change your perspective or, or ideas as far as what you should build? It, it put us in perspective of what we wanted to build. Like initially we have this concept of what the app should be, how it should feel, what it should look like. But when we went out to the courts and talked to the players, we said, well, they don't really care about this. They mm -hmm. really care about that. So it kind of put our priorities in order. Uh, it put us in a perspective of you need to work on this. You need to spend 90 hours on this one function as opposed to the other. So it's kind of like a pie in the sky idea. Like you have this big concept because you feel that you're a basketball player, but majority rules and the majority of players say, I want to just find games on the app instantly. Mm -hmm. And that's what you got to build first. So how much of that is, is continued? I mean, how that was back in 2016 or, or 17? 2017. When you, had, when you actually launched the, the MVP, uh -huh. how much of that um, focus that you, the core that you built from those surveys is still there or has it expanded or grown to what it is today? It's still our core app. So our core app is still like a map-based app mm -hmm. that have icons of where games are at. That's still like the initial core. But from there, we really grew into more functioning places where people could chat. They got one-on-one -on -one messages, got group messages. Uh, a lot of our complaints was like, I want to be able to contact my friends, mm -hmm. just like a text message. Mm -hmm. So it was like, let's just build something that's simple, like an SMS text where Users could just talk in a group, but it's in the basketball format. And that's what we really spent 2018 building. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember, I, th I think you first pitched it, it was probably back in 2017 at King's Capitalize. Yeah. Uh, I saw you pitch there um, for the first time. So did you was the app actually working then, that, that MVP? Yeah, the app okay. was actually out and working. It was only on iOS at the time, okay. but it was out in the marketplace. Okay, and when did you, so you, you built it on iOS first, and then you expanded to Android. When did that happen? Android happened just recently. Okay. Android was recently as December of 2018. Okay, wow. So, you know, since, since the interview where I interviewed you two years ago, a lot has happened. Um, you, you expanded to Android, you've added a huge customer base, um, from my perspective anyway, and you, you, what you're most known for around here possibly is you were on Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. um, so, and a lot of people may know you from that, but what are some of the challenges and lessons learned that, that have taken place in that two years since we last saw you? I mean, expanding in the user base and Shark Tank and mm -hmm. um, all that stuff. Well, Shark like the whole 2017, I'll say March to like June was totally different for us. Like uh, we was a young company, just having an idea, a concept. Our biggest goal was to get 500 users. Like <laughs> we'll go to Chili's afterwards. You know? That's just, <laughs> so after that, um, really March of 2017 is when things start taking off. Uh, we got featured in like local Good Day Sacramento. Oh, yeah. And then from there, the, uh, Sac B picked us up. And then TechCrunch picked us up. 
and then we did the sack capitalized thing mm-hmm. and then from there a lot of national media outlets pick us up and the biggest one was sports center mm-hmm. and then after sports center um a lot of blogs uh just start reposting us so in the span of one month uh we was in like maybe 10 or 12 national publications and we saw our user base grow from 500 to a thousand to ten thousand to really thirty thousand within that one month span. How did you How did you initiate that? I mean, people would die for for to get that kind of exposure, media exposure. What I mean, was that something you specifically did, or was it luck, or how? Did, I, how did I think it was a little bit of both. Like we was always uh, seeking. It was I guess it was a great opportunity and a great timing because when a good day sacramento picked us up it was during march madness mm-hmm. and that was a, you know we realized media companies a it's a theme we're a basketball app and it kind of flow well okay. and then from there it was really a lot we give a lot of credit to our friends that's on facebook and mm-hmm. twitter because they from their repost that's when the websites picked us up mm-hmm. that's when the nprs the tech crunches and like all of the websites really picked us up and then from there, it just snowballed, snowballed all the way to Sports Center. And then that's when the producer from Shark Tank emailed us and said, we'll be good for the show. So out of the blue, they, you get an email from Shark Tank? Out of the blue. <laughs> what was that like? That was, I was like, is this really Shark Tank? It was, <laughs> it was a weird feeling. Like, it was just in our inbox. And, like, they said, give us a call from Shark Tank. And we was like, all right, yeah, right. And we called, and it was a producer. And he said just what he said in the email. He said, I like the concept. I think this will do great. Uh, this is how you get on the show. And then we had to fill out like a thousand papers and <laughs> send in interviews. And that was like a two month process. And then we didn't hear nothing back from them from like three weeks. And then they finally called us back and said, you know, here's a plane ticket. These are the days you need to be in Los Angeles. And here's the possibility of y'all being on the show. So wow. everything happened really fast. Everything was in like a two month time period. And it was just from our standpoint, it was just like it was growing. Real fast, faster than we could develop, faster than. Was it faster than you're comfortable with? Definitely was uh-huh. because at the time it was just a prototype, and it was really set for maybe at the most five thousand users. In the course of like I'll say a, a month, we had thirty thousand users. So we had authentication problems, login issues. We had all the type of stuff that you know a company that's not prepared to really blow up uh, happened to us. And so you had to deal with all that, right? We had to deal with it. Dominic. Yeah, we had to deal with it. We had to switch our back end. We had to switch to AWS from our, our original back end that we had. And it was a lot of things that we had to change quickly. And a lot of people was coming at us as well. A lot of investors, a lot of media companies, a lot of people that want to, you know, help us out, that want to help us market. So it was everything was coming at once. And we really, usually when pressure is on us, we really just sit back and then weigh out our options. And that's kind of what we did at that point. So you mentioned people coming out and offering help. You said you mentioned investors and, and, and mentors and marketers. So what are the, some of the biggest things you took away from that experience, um, from that whole hype cycle that you went through? We realized what, we, we asked ourselves, what do we want out of this? At the end of the day, we know this could be temporary. You know, we know people could really go up. You always gotta come down mm-hmm. at a certain point. So we, we, we acknowledged that first. We knew that this wasn't gonna be a constant that we either have to take advantage of it or realize what we want out of there. Mm-hmm. And then from there we said, we wanna get a real good product out of this, no matter what, like we got a prototype, we have ideas, a concept, 
now got the the eyeballs on us to really put a good product out to the market and that's what we focus on so our idea was to take the prototype into a real version one and get it out on both platforms to the users and did you guys do that or you hire somebody that a, de a developer to help you out with that or yeah so we did that uh so along that time too we uh, that's where we found our cto uh winjo winjo suarez he's a current developer at oracle right now mm -hmm. and uh we actually added him to the team okay so during that standpoint, that's when he kind of helped us out with our back end, some front end issues, and kind of managed the code mm -hmm. and the development of the app from there. And it kind of stabilized us for a while. So uh, I know a lot of people might be interested in hearing, and you maybe get asked this a lot, but what, what's the top lesson you take away from the shark taking experience? Well, I realized it was a TV show as opposed to like a business, uh -huh venture capitalist meeting it's showbiz right it's showbiz it's really it's a tv driven rating show mm -hmm. so when we got in there we know actually that was like our first real vc meeting mm -hmm. right there like on tv like we didn't really have a sit down with anybody and i think i even asked you for like a questionnaire before. i remember we met <laughs> over at sac state yeah and i hooked you up with one of our our, our board members nick yeah um, yeah uh -huh. so from there it was like all right um so we actually had to watch the show to get prepared for the show <laughs> because the way it works, they don't really tell you nothing. They just really help you with the first pitch, mm -hmm. just getting your pitch right. And then the questions is, you know, it's really up to you at the end. Mm -hmm. So we prepared for the pitch, you know, we went over the whole thing and then the questions. And in our minds it was like, they're going to ask this, they're going to ask that. So just like taking a test, you don't know what's going to uh -huh. come. So you got to get it prepared. Mm -hmm. So it was a great experience. Um, so a lot of people don't know is uh, they might only cut maybe seven or eight minutes that we see, but was in there for an hour and a half. Whoa. Yeah, so it was questions and they all ask questions at the same time. So I think they want you to get a reaction and want you to get flustered, once you mm -hmm. get frustrated. So Barbara will ask a question, Kevin will ask a question, and then Alex Rodriguez asked a question and they all asking the same question at the same time. And they said, hey, why are you not answering my question? And I was like, because yeah, I'm answering his question. So uh, it was a good experience of just how to deal with composure, how to handle yourself, how to stay professional, not to really get out of whack and really answer assertively. That's what mm -hmm. I realized. Mm -hmm. If you answer with confidence, uh, then your message will come across. Okay. And what, when was that uh, Shark Tank episode aired? They aired in November and we taped it in June. November of 2017? 20, was it? 20, no, 2017. It 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So, so since that time, um, I, I think you kind of, from my perspective, I didn't hear much from you guys for a while. And then all of a sudden I saw you start exploding in social media and Instagram a bit. Mm -hmm. So is, was there a quiet time where you kind of took a step back? Sounds like you came back from that and reassessed, like you said. Um, so what has happened since then? What's, what's your direction now and how have you changed from that step back and, and rethinking things? Yeah, so actually during that time, we'll say pretty much the whole of 2018, uh, that's when we actually got invested. Uh, so we had a local investor that invested into our version one, mm -hmm. uh, which we invested $25,000 into building out so our first new app, seed round. Our first seed round. And then all of 2018 is when we just worked on the development of the app. You know, making, we just scrapped everything from mm -hmm. the prototype, uh, redid our back end, our front end. Uh, added more features, uh, so now it's a whole new app that's capable of having a million users, two million users. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So we really you know, thought about the future in 2018. We said we're going to build something that's just not going to crash, that's not going to go out, but something that's foundational that users can use, 
and that we could actually build upon in the future. So that was kind of like our quiet time was really putting ourselves in order. And mm-hmm. I go back to the goal that we had was we want to get a real product out of this, you know, out of all of the hype. Let's build a product mm-hmm. that users could use. And that's what we did. 2018 it was every day was going to the Cobo space, was going to Sac State, mm-hmm. where we could find an open room. And every Saturday we're just planning out our attack, mm-hmm. our, our approach. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. So it seems I saw you pitch on, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now, um, and answering some of the questions from the judges at that, that pitch event, it seemed like to me like you were taking a very calculated, methodical approach now, um, focusing on a core geography area like here in Sacramento or Dominic's in LA and growing that base rather than doing a shotgun approach. Can you talk a little bit about that, how you came to that um, realization that that's how you needed to grow? Yeah, definitely. So during the 2017, like boom, we had a lot of users in a lot of different places spread out across America and, and all over the world. So we took all that data and we realized and we figured out what's our strongest marketplaces. So we got our top 10 markets and our new approach now that we have the app is to really target the markets, see how we could you know capitalize on our users, what do they need, what are their wants, and how we could service the users. So now that we have the platform and the app, our goal is to build a revenue model mm-hmm. that's successful. So our approach is to go to our strongest markets and we want to offer them curated pickup games where users could go to gyms, you know, they'll go instead of going to 24 hour fitness or any other gym, they could play with their friends or play with people that's more like themselves and they'll pay a small fee to where they could play basketball in a controlled area. So how does that curation work? Is it something, I mean, how do you select them? Is it self-selected? Is it, is it some kind of algorithm that's determining player ability and, and grouping them, curating them somehow, how's that work? Yeah, so our users really tell us all the data. Right now on our app, they our users create different groups uh, based off the city they're in, mm-hmm. based off their work groups, and we just take that data and we just match them together. So right now, Oklahoma City, which is our one of our top three markets, mm-hmm. uh, they have 20 groups that's just been created in the last week, and each group have about 20 to 25 users. Mm-hmm and all of those users in between the ages of 21 and 31. So we take the age, we take the demographics, we take the friend ability, we see who friends with who, and then we say, you know, this group that's Oklahoma workers or this group that's construction workers, you guys are two groups, we're gonna put you guys in this local gym, and instead of playing every Tuesday when you guys are available and every Friday, we have this Tuesday night that's available, we're gonna rent out this gym in Oklahoma, and instead of you guys paying ten dollars at 24-hour fitness every time we actually gonna rent out this gym and it'll be five dollars and we'll have it every Saturday or every Friday so you're working with gyms to do that we're working with local gyms right now okay so local and we have school district as well our whole goal is to target uh, privately owned gyms where we could talk to an owner and get agreement going uh, but we also work with high school and school districts mm-hmm. one-time rentals uh, we we're really trying to do is not really pay up front for rental fees we're trying to establish a relationship where we can do a rev split. Okay. Currently, the structure is we pay, you know, thirty dollars an hour, you know, sixty dollars for like a whole session. But right now, instead of paying that sixty up front, you know, we'll get the gym straight up. We'll build a long-term relationship over a six-month mm. plan, and the rev split will be larger than just the initial sixty or thirty dollars. So, I mean, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm assuming on your part to do all that coordination with all the gyms and. and curating the players and the games and all that. Um, is that just you doing that, or do you have people helping you out with that? Yeah, that's me, Dominic, and we also have another team member, Darren, who's our business guy. Mm-hmm. He also works at Oracle. Uh, you know, that's kind of what he do for a living, for a job, so he got real expertise, and 
reaching out but to gyms. Data crunching. Data crunching, uh-huh. uh, knowing where our strongest market's at. So he's actually working on the game plan of uh, really coming mm-hmm. out and our best approach. But uh, our past is uh, we ran a dope baseball league for the last. Yeah, like, I was just going to ask. So it seems like this really overlaps with, with your baseball league experience. Yeah. So we, that's what we used to do. We used to have a go to the city, uh, you know, get a permit, get insurance, run out fields. At one time, we had about 10 teams. So we had to coordinate with the coaches, coordinate with the fields, mm-hmm. coordinate with the umpires. So this is similar to that approach where we run out facilities, we got users that want to play basketball, and we just meet in the demand. So yeah, so you, I mean, you have a ton of experience. You know, I mean, you've been doing the base, the Morris League for like eight, ten years or something like that. Yeah, ten years. So, so you're playing off that strength, that experience, and bringing that to this now. That's yeah. Um, so, what has the response been for the the curated leagues? How's that going? It's been going real good. We started just here in Sacramento. Uh, we've been testing it out for the last month, and it's been real successful. Our one of our biggest problems right now is just finding a consistent gym that we could partner mm-hmm. with. Uh, but our goal is to really have at least one or two partner gyms where we have a relationship where we could rent out the gyms anytime and then we'll get the better response. You know, just like anything, if you have consistency, people will come. So if we have one gym every Tuesday or every Saturday, then we'll feel our response will be better. So if anybody's watching this, has a gym and wants to reach out to you, they're intrigued by it, how, what should they do? If they could email us, whomap at gmail.com or just go to our website, contact us, and we'll work together. Awesome. Awesome. So you, you mentioned your top markets. What are the top markets? So we have Sacramento, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, Oakland, Hayward, San Jose, Bay Area, Houston. Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. New York, Houston, and then we have Miami, Florida, and then we have Portland, Oregon. So do, are any of those surprises to you? I'm Oklahoma City, I never would have thought that that would be a, a huge area for you. Yeah, Oklahoma City has been like one of our strongest markets, like out of our first 500, it was probably about 60 of those users was from Oklahoma City. Uh-huh. Just random. Um, it's just been a strong, you know, user base. How that happened? You just that's where it kind of you know took. took well, we had one when we first got on Sports Center. A guy from Oklahoma City had a basketball group out there, mm. and he really championed us out there. Mm-hmm. He changed his name from Oklahoma Basketball to Who Maps Oklahoma. Oh, cool. So it kind of branded started early, you know, with uh-huh. just a Facebook group that's out there. And right now they have over 2,000 users on Facebook. That's a, like a constant group that people play with. And I think from there, from that initial branding uh, to now, it's what kind of grew that market. Okay. So what's the focus for 2019? Just just focusing on those core markets um, and, and slow growing with that curation approach? Yeah, our, our whole goal of 2019 is just to build a successful revenue model. Uh, so we want to test out here, Sacramento first, test out you know between different gyms mm-hmm. see how successful it run over a course of months and then roll that out all across America cool so what needs um, I kind of wonder what what can the community what do to help poop maps grow here I mean Sacramento is gonna be our core and it's listening to this obviously but um, what needs do you have to grow hoop maps and take it to the next level I think Sacramento as a whole if we could just like just are you talking about the startup community or just anybody? Anybody really, you know, startup mm-hmm. community, or, you know, other entrepreneurs in the startup community here or even beyond. I feel the Sacramento could champion us, you know, Hoop Maps as being here from Sacramento, mm-hmm. originated here, got the story from here. Like I want to be recognized as an international company that's based in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So I want that message to be strong that, you know, you have one of the big names right here in your city 
and whatever you can do to support, uh, we big. So if you could tell people about basketball, because basketball is just the beginning, but we plan to expand mm-hmm. in different sports, tennis, soccer, volleyball, all different sports, and we see us leading this rec tech industry. Very cool. Um, so once you expand out um, in these 10 markets, do you have goals for other, sp- have you got other places picked out yet? or? Yeah, so outside of America, our strongest market is in London. London, London, really? yeah. So we want to go out there, and it's different, you know, across the seas. Uh, weather changes, how people play basketball, what they look at. So we definitely want to study our international markets. And London will be a good test case for what people do in Europe, and then we go to the Philippines. Wow. The good thing about our app now is we have users that message us from all across the world. And the cool thing is, it just started a couple years ago, you know, from idea. So it's just fascinating for me to really go outside somewhere I've never been before, but people that got the app that you know, we thought about a couple years ago. So you're gonna be traveling to London and the Philippines and oh, check yeah. these things out? So because I mean, the culture for pickup games is probably gonna be different wherever you go, right? Yeah, they might have, I think the core of pickup is the same everywhere, but they just do it in different ways. Like people in Oklahoma City, you know, they play a different kind of way. Hmm. In Florida, they play at nighttime. Houston, they play late night. Uh-huh. Yeah, in Sacramento, we got great weather out here, uh-huh. so we could play January to December. So just learning about how people do things different, but yeah. also how to keep it the same. But yeah, I plan to travel to London, Australia, everywhere that we have our app at. Awesome. Um, so, you know, kind of pivoting a little bit to, um, well, actually, let me go back to this one first. Um, you've got, I, you just told me today, you've launched a podcast. Uh, you've had a podcast running for years about, about the baseball mm-hmm. league, but you've also recently launched another podcast. So yeah. talk about those a little bit. Yeah, so we launched the Hoop Out podcast. It's me and Dominic. We get together. Uh, we talk about in real time what we got going on with our app. You know, if we talking with an investor or if we just launched a different market or if we have a bug on the app that's bothering us, we kind of give you the inside baseball, mm. what's going on in real time. So what it's like to kind of run an app every day. And then we also talk about just entrepreneurial concepts, you know, what we like out there in the market, what other companies are doing things good, what companies in Sacramento are doing things good. So we just kind of, we just talk about what we got going on. And what's it called again? It's called the Hoop Map Podcast. Hoop Maps Podcast? Uh And that's on iTunes and Stitcher and all those? iTunes. It's mostly hosted on a website, so Uh hoopmaps.com. We have a direct link on the podcast app. Okay, check it out. Um, and so you also said you've been doing another one for, for eight years or so, and that's called The Dugout? Yeah, it's called The Sack Dugout Sack Show, Dugout. where we talk about baseball right here in Sacramento. And it's a good show. Uh, we bring coaches. We bring Hall of Fame baseball players. And it's just different than basketball, but we're focused on baseball and baseball here in Sacramento. Very cool. So back to the other question I wanted to ask earlier is, um, so you're, 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 you launched here in Sacramento. You had the idea here in Sacramento. Um, so you've been embedded in the Sacramento startup community for since you started in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think we can do here in the Sacramento startup community to to help other early stage founders like you be more successful? I think just if you guys keep putting on more events like the pitch competition, mm-hmm. that was great. Like more events like that where we could showcase, you know, what we got going on. Because uh, you know, even though we do it once or twice in the past, like. Sometimes, like, we feel if it's more things out there for us to do, then it's we keep our name out there. You know, we let people know, are we just launched on this platform? Are we, you know, kind of keep mm-hmm. people updated what we're going on? So more pitch competitions, more conferences, more startup weekends like you guys mm-hmm. had in Folsom. Like, just keep on putting more events and keep inviting us back. 
and I think the Sacramento startup community will grow. Like having established companies and up and coming companies meet all together because it could be daunting, like trying to start up ideas. So many things you got to go through. It's so many things that you got to face. You're always thinking behind, but you know, seeing people that's in front of you, seeing people that succeeded, and people mm -hmm. seeing people that started, it's just good to have them all in the same room. Yeah, one of the things I, I keep trying to figure out is how I can help, you know, you, you've, you've gotten a certain level of success. Um, so beyond having a pitch competition that showcases you, what else can we as Startup Sack do to help people in your level, at your, your level where you've gotten to, get, get to the next step? And I, I'm not sure there's other programs or what, what those might be, so if you have ideas, I'm happy to hear them. What about a conference? A like conference. A, I'd love to do a conference. I'd love to get Startup Week happening here in Sacramento. Uh -huh. um, the problem is it takes a lot of work. Um, yeah. And we need to get a lot of people beyond, beyond just Laura and myself at Startup SAC involved because there's no way we can put something on of that size just by ourselves. Uh -huh. uh, and so we need to get funding and we need to get backing and we get, need to get collaboration from the whole community to do that. And so mm -hmm. it's definitely something we want to do, um, but it's just a matter of finding the resources to do it. Uh, yeah. So. Anybody wants to pitch in on that, uh, give me a ring. Um, so, any words of advice, inspiration, encouragement for other aspiring entrepreneurs? Yeah, I'll say just keep going. Uh, you'll never have it figured out when you start. You know, you might not even have a business when you start. Like, if you have an idea and you think it's worthy and you call 10 of your friends and they'll use it, start. You never know where it'll lead, you know. Your idea of a website might turn into an app. An app might turn into a platform or a startup community. So just start with your idea. You never know where it'll take you. And just don't get discouraged, you know. A lot of times I looked on LinkedIn, I looked on Instagram, I look on Twitter, and I see people that's way ahead of me, people that, you know, started less than me but got funding. And I'll say kind of put your blinders on and you don't really know what everybody else are going through. Mm -hmm. Like they might have raised money, but... No, they might not have something else. So right. just kind of focus on what you got going and just trying to really expand that. That's what I'll say. And listen to your podcast so you get other tips, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anything else you want to share? No, nah, this was it. I'm you know, appreciative of having another interview. All right. Well, thanks. Appreciate the time, Bobby. Thank you.